0: Welcome to the Alex Merced cast where Alex Merced of alexmerced.com brings you principled, thoughtful, libertarian commentary on issues that matter. Hey, everybody, this is Alex Merced from alexmerced.com, and you're listening to the Alex cast. And this week, what I want to talk about is, I guess, sort of the government shutdown, but mainly I want to focus on a very specific topic within that. Uh, Recently, uh, someone was concerned about food inspectors, basically the idea that, you know, now you're going to have food inspectors not showing up to work, and uh, they're not going to inspect food, and, and how's that going to affect everybody? And basically my response was, nothing's really gonna change because most businesses don't, aren't in the business of poisoning their customers. So if you're a business, you would like your customers to buy from you more than once. So if you're in the food business, you want to offer them quality food with quality ingredients, et cetera, within the price that they're willing to pay. Again, relative. But you also, but you wanna do something that's, that's not gonna make them sick because one, you want them to come back to your business. I mean, think about it. people stop going to Chipotle after their whole E. coli scare. But also, they don't want to get sued, okay? Because that can be really expensive and put a business, well, out of business, costing everybody their jobs and their business. So, businesses have a huge incentive to kind of keep an eye on quality, okay? To, one, survive and, two, not be destroyed. Um, now, does that mean think mistakes don't happen? They sure do, but that's but basically, again, those exact things that I just mentioned happen. They do get punished for them with lawsuits and loss of business, okay? And even though there are inspectors, up till now, inspectors have been inspecting food. When Chipotle had his problem, people were inspecting food, and those problems still happened. Um, a lot of times when people point out that business negligence or business abuse, oftentimes it isn't done as like a business policy. It isn't often done as, okay, this is what, we as a company believe in doing. This is our practice, but more than it happens more at the at the bottom levels of, of the corporate structure. So, for example, when you're at McDonald's, and I've worked at McDonald's, the managers were pretty pretty, uh, you know, uh, how would I put it? Strict about like rules regarding like when do you throw out the food to make sure that it, you don't put, you know. Make people sick, uh, whatnot. The managers were really strict about that. That's if you were an employee. Generally, that's how you promoted your employees. If you, the employees were sort of mo- who were most sticking to the rules and making sure that everything was done the right way. Uh, to keep track of all safety standards. Were the ones that kind of made it up to manager. Oftentimes meat that was left out too long or thing or disgusting things that happened to food weren't done by the managers nor was it company policy it was done by the the frontline workers against company policy okay um if they happened so a lot of times it isn't the company who's trying to poison you it isn't uh the manager isn't company policy the company isn't trying to save itself a few bucks and poison you oftentimes it's it's people who the individual workers in, 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 in sort of the front line who who feel they don't have nothing to lose. That it's not going to be a big deal. They're not the ones getting sued. It's not their business being shut down. They may not get caught, so they, they don't feel like there's any consequence to, to being a little, um, sometimes cutting a few corners. And those are the ones who generally don't make it up the manager, who don't get promoted, who don't get extra hours over time. But you know, you never know how all your employees are going to behave all the time. I mean, that's just the nature of any business okay and I mean this is generally the dynamic I've seen in everywhere I've worked uh, the people who cause uh, the problem is oftentimes not again uh, or the places where quality lacks isn't because a company doesn't want to provide quality it's oftentimes um, just the top levels of governance get so distanced from the bottom levels that the, the oversight becomes hard to manage on everybody all the time per se and you don't necessarily want to micromanage people but Just, you know, the incentives aren't there. Okay. Um, But then, but basically, when I put this out there, when I put this argument out there, and again, it doesn't necessarily mean food inspections are bad. Okay. Food inspections, one, happen anyways. Okay. Businesses do inspections of their food anyways. They hire private inspection companies, um, not always just because they want to, but oftentimes because. They have to buy liability policies because, again, you might get sued. So you're going to want an insurance company to insure your business. And most insurance companies want to make sure they have all the information they need to make sure they have assessed the proper risks and assess that you're taking the proper steps to mitigate those risks uh, before insuring you. So insurance companies will require you to get inspections. I mean, if you ever bought a house and were trying to buy different insurance policies for your house. And you know you've probably dealt with this, where your insurance company requires you to make certain repairs on your house. Um, they require you to do certain inspections when you buy your policy. Insurance companies essentially regulate actors in the economy in a big way because since they're insuring the risk, they're taking the financial burden of the risk that many of these businesses are doing. They have an in- they have an incentive to sort of. Babysit the company and make sure that if the company isn't already incentivized by the things that I said before, that they're incentivized by that insurance policy and the premium that they pay or the possibility of even getting that policy in the first place. So there are mechanisms, um, there are sort of checks and balances that already exist within sort of natural economic behavior. But again, so again, there are inspections. There still will be inspections even though federal inspectors may not be around. Um, And then all these sort of interests and and, uh, vested interests will still exist. But then someone else sort of said, well, well, you know, if that's all true, then why the financial crisis? But that's a miscomplete misunderstanding of the financial crisis. And again, a lot of the biggest malfeasance within the financial crisis of people being unethical weren't necessarily the people at the top, but oftentimes the people at the bottom. Now, of course, you know, um, it takes a lot of people to turning a blind eye. But the bigger picture is this. People don't want their investment bank to go out of business. People did not want to want the economy to crash. Uh, everyone just wanted to be successful, and, and basically, people always want to do what they can to make as much as they can. The only thing that generally mitigates people's behavior oftentimes is the risks of taking those actions. So in the case of, of the food companies, the risk of not caring for quality of food is being sued, losing business. Um, you know in, in the case of financial companies, the, if you take too much risk, then you lose your capital and you go out of business. More people stop investing money with you um, so there's you have those same incentives. but again, if you don't properly measure the risks, you will end up taking more risks than suited. so this is where I think a lot of people miss out a lot of the, a lot of these investment banks highly under under-calculated the amount of risk they were taking in the housing market. Not because they weren't using standard statistical techniques or whatnot. Okay, and again, but because when you take a look at housing data and over the last century, it looks very positive. It, it looks like oh, housing could never go wrong. And part of that was because of government policy. Over the last hundred years, whether you take a look at the advent of Ginny Mae, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, you take a look at the Real Estate Investment Trust Act that created the REIT structure. You take a look at the um, uh, that act from the '90s, the the um, every act that basically, and then also on local legislation, local subsidies to subsidize housing. You you always have this constant political push to constantly keep the housing market going. So what does this do? Instead of having a natural trend, because like for example, when you're buying stocks, companies don't take people take big risks sometimes, but a lot of times they they're careful why? because when you look at a stock's pricing data you can see its peaks and valleys. So you know that hey, you know what this might go 30% up, but this has a history of also sometimes going 30% down. So you try to protect yourself from those risks. But if the stock just looked like it just kept going up, okay, it was just one big st- sort of straight line up, you know, basically it kept going up, you know, 30% a year with maybe the occasional 1% blip, basically companies would not bother pr- buying like Puts and other types of derivatives that help you mitigate that risk. Okay, and so people end up taking, basically being more exposed if there is a situation where that stock drops because they're not as worried about it. So that's what happened with the housing market. Because government kept sort of intervening in the housing market, the housing trends in housing look just much better than they probably otherwise would have. You didn't have the dips in housing you probably would have had uh, throughout the last hundred years that would have made people more cognizant because again people crunch numbers they don't sit there and do a big historical analysis on every price trend um, that's you know everything is so stats and numbers based these days so then what happens is that people just uh didn't expect as much risk as there was, and that's why people ended up doing being willing to take a take as much risk as they did. Okay, it wasn't necessarily a, a casino mentality. It's like oh, let's just roll the dice. It was just that when you looked at the numbers, there really was no reason to not think you're rolling the dice um, to a large extent, and that means means that you're not you're gonna marginally feel a little less worried about practicing high. High risk sales tactics. You're gonna, you know, not be as worried about documentation regarding these mortgages because they just historically always work out. Um, so what happens is that there was just so many so many supports within the housing market that it just basically really dulled the risk sensors uh, of those operating within that space. That led to a huge pyramiding of risk. But it wasn't just because people are greedy. People are always wanting more. It's not like suddenly people discovered greed in 2005. Um, What happened was, is just that the the things that would hold back, the things that would um, hold that accountable, the risk, just got so dulled over the years And that took a century for it to happen okay and it'll happen in other sectors and it takes time for those kind of things to build up people always just think everything happens within the last few years and it's just those people who made those last few decisions whose fault it is but no when you distort market prices you distort the data that people make future decisions on that they use to kind of decide what are the risks what are the rewards of future decision making causing them to make worse decisions this is why you want sort of free market prices that go up and down with what's going on in the world. So that way when things do go wrong, because in a free market, things don't go, in any world, things don't go right 100% of the time. But in a free market world, when things go wrong, the signals of what went wrong will be much clearer because the prices will reflect actual supply and demand, which means that information can then be used to help mitigate that problem again in the future better than when you distorted prices and then you, it's much harder to learn a lesson and apply that to future. So that's this my thoughts on there. I mean, again, I, I, this is a much larger argument I've made in the past, um, but I'm trying to make it in a much more brief way. So um, bottom line is people are always trying to get as much as they can, but are always going to take steps to mitigate their risks. And all entrepreneurs have the same two main risks, or three, such things they care about that are going to sort of help mitigate them from sort of doing a lot of the horrible things that people just assume businesses do. The fact that they want customers to come back. Two, that they don't want to get sued. And three, that um, they have to make sure the insurance company is willing to insure them. So for whatever policy, whether it's a liability policy, workers' comp policy, etc. So hopefully uh, this is food for thought. My name is Alex Merced from alexmerced.com. You listen to the Alex Merced Cast. If you like the show and want to support it, please head over to donate.alexmerced.com. It would be very appreciated. Uh, all support, you can become a patron, patron on Patreon, you can if you want to do monthly crypto, you can join, support us on Bitbacker. All the information is over there at donate.alexmerced.com. Have a great day and enjoy. Thank you for listening to the Alex Merced cast. Learn more at alexmerced.com, libertarian101.com, and libertarianwingmedia.com. Follow Alex Merced on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.